I'm not kidding. I'm recording this because it's very funny. Um, is this a dating podcast and a true crime comedy podcast? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for asking. If you don't like it, um, feel free. Well, to... that hurts my feelings. Well, honestly, one of us here is single. We're not going to name any names. Name any names, and you'll get confused on social media because it's the single one is constantly with the kids. <laughs> it makes sense though. Like, why would I hold my own children? Because otherwise, you get that. exhibit A. <laughs> Y'all, Quinn just took a nap. I took a nap. Uh, Carrie came over and I took a nap. I want you guys to <laughs> came hashtag over friendship goals. Here's totally, total, total bug. Carrie came Here's over and I was like, I'm going to go in the other room and take a nap and I'll see you soon. <laughs> no, it's actually even better. I came over. We did a little work. Then we had, oh no, I came over. I said, I want a bagel. So I bought two bagels. One totally for me. I did not share. And another one bagel for, for a family, family of three. Makes Four, because Griffin doesn't count yet. Keith's bagel. He, he, okay, should I have gotten two? Is that the note for next time? Do I need to get no, two for your family? No, we did fine with that one bagel. You did so fine with that. Me, I was selfish bitch, and I didn't share. We worked a little. Quinn then ordered burritos. They were bomb. And then we all were like, I'm a little tired. And Cole was like, I could use some quiet time. He didn't say that, but he fact, felt he said it. The opposite, he said the opposite, but here's the thing about kids. Sometimes it's opposites day. So you're ready to be a mom. It's and almost say, always opposites day it's is almost what you have to remember. Opposites. I have to pee. Are you sure? You should just go sit on the potty. Things like that. Mm-hmm. So moral of the story is Quinn then came in and had some quiet time. And then it was like an hour and a half later. And I was like, I have a feeling they're asleep. <laughs> just they vanish. I just don't think quiet They're time. hanging out in that room. <laughs> They don't have that much to talk about. He's three. They're actually... They don't have a ton in common. Actually, you guys have so much in common. Besides DNA, name one thing. You both love scary things. Oh my gosh, you're right. All right. Touche. You're both pretty nice, but you have your moments. (laughs) We're both... I see. Was that an opposite state remark? (laughs) I like to describe... I like to describe... That just made me laugh to describe you both. No, Cole really wanted me to not talk today. And now keeps telling her, don't talk. I go, Koa, at lunch day, I said, Koa, I love you so much. He goes, no, you don't. And it really made me sad. Yeah. And I was like, I do love you so much. Yeah. Don't tell me what I do. He he got on board. He got on board. And I was like, I do love you so much. He's like, I know. Afterwards, you went in the room and I was talking. I was like, Koa, you know I love you so much. And he held my hand and he was like, "Mm mm-hmm. It's really sweet. That's so cute. But he also just wanted to play Legos with me. Dear readers, where do you guys fall on the on the Tevas, Tevas? Where do you fall? I actually want we. Yeah, Quinn and I had a conversation. Hot debate. Here's the thing. Heated debate. Quinn, conversation. You say conversation. Quinn. I say friendship ending <laughs> argument. <laughs> it was towards the end of our trip, and I feel like you were like, if I'm gonna say an explosive thing, it's gotta be now. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, it's the end of the trip. I'm going to tell you what I really think. She really thinks. And I think is <laughs> Tiva's not okay. Quinn has like a moral, obli- like a moral 
opposition. I'm not okay with them. You're not. It's a deal breaker. There's it's if someone breaker. walks in in Tevas, which I've heard is how you say it, but Tevas, whatever, tomato paternal, you say swipe left. I'm done. There's no fucking way I can get on board with Tevas. Swipe left. You know what? I throw and break my phone. I don't even swipe left. <laughs> what if I show? Disgust. I'm gonna show up one day and I'm gonna wear Tevas. Don't do it. I'm gonna do it. You know what? I told Spencer how I felt about Tevas. Tevas. And he was like, but how do you feel about... Birkenstocks? No. He said something like, how do you feel about Campo? He said, how do you feel about blank? And then put on a pair of what I can only describe as even uglier (laughs) Tevas. They wrap around his toe. (gasps) No, are those the Keens? Yeah, something like that. No, that Myrtles. Okay, here's the thing. I was furious. I was like, Spencer, I'm not okay with those. And... Now that you showed me them, I have to leave. And also, I think I you're left kicked, you're evicted. <laughs> also, also <laughs> you're evicted. I'm terminating your lease effective immediately. <laughs> because they can't be under the same roof as me. Dear readers, if any of you wants to send us some Tebas, reach out to me. I'll give you Quinn's address. Fuck and I'll off. give you my size. Because she's not going to wear them, but I will. Here's the thing. Why I, do you want them? They're very comfortable. I'm How comfort- do you know that? I tried them on recently. Where? At a store in Brooklyn at a cute boutique. First of all, I don't believe you because no cute boutique okay. has a pair of Tevas in it. That's fucking wrong because they're hot now. Incorrect. I'm going to see if I can find a fucking And they picture. only have a pair of Tevas in it because somebody bought a pair of cute shoes there and left their Tevas no, behind. that's fucking Because they wrong. were too embarrassed to wear them because they were on their way to something. And they were like, you know what? I thought I could wear these Tevas, but I'm ashamed and I'm leaving them at this no, boutique. No, in fact, my sister and I in both fact, they went tried barefoot. them on. My sister tried on... I tried on the all-black pair. My sister tried on... The thing about them is they're a gateway shoe. But aren't To all... Crocs. And I know you're going to start wearing Crocs. And once you start wearing Crocs, it's only a matter of time before you start putting those weird charms in them. <laughs> Do you know you just alienated our Gen Z audience? They wear Crocs. <laughs> and honestly, that's on you. But I... Here's, here's my thought about Crocs. I'm a comfort shoe girl. Like, I would fuck with, like, I, like, some, there are some Crocs, like, some of their, like, delicate designs that don't look like Crocs, that I'm like, okay. Really? Have you not seen? Oh, my All God. Right. All right. I don't, maybe I'm not a hip to the shoe world, hip to the very, very ugly shoe world. Listen, ugly shoes are a, a look, you know? Hold on, let me see. Crocs. They're a look, but they're not but a yes, look that I'm gets a touch. I tried a Teva on, and I was, here's what I'm surprised at. I was surprised at the thing that hits across your, like, toe line go below your toes, right? So it was like, it, it felt really bizarre. Okay, let me find some of these Crocs. Okay, these you would wear. You would fucking wear these Crocs. No, I wouldn't wear that. If it was that comfortable? I wouldn't wear that, but it doesn't look like a croc. Okay, I'll on. give you that. I, You know what else I wouldn't wear? I don't like those shoes that show... You know the shoes people wear that make them look like fucking amphibians or whatever? See, that's... Okay, so that's my boundary. The ones I, that have toes. The Keens or the toe shoes. They fucking weird me out. I don't like them. Where they're that like because rubber I'm like, and they go... They make little fake toesies. Like, I used to have toe socks as a kid. Didn't you wear toe socks when you were, like, in junior high? You know what? I remember those being a hit and buying a pair and finding them very uncomfortable. 
You like, do I don't ha- want to feel my each of my toes that way. <laughs> they all belong together as a unit. They missed each other, honestly. I don't well, like Do you that. not like flip-flops? I don't like flip-flops. I don't I either. like them to run to the basement of my own home to, like, do laundry. I don't wear them on the street. I'd rather... Do, 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 I, have, I like Burke. By the way, favorite comfy shoe is a Burke. It's a Birkenstock. And I have a pair of, pair of plastic Birkenstocks that are cute. We they, like those. They're cute. They're cute. They're cute. I think they are. I don't like flip-flops. That's the thing. Also, I wear all boots. My standards of beauty are not through the roof. <laughs> I like comfort <laughs> and practicality. I just think you have to draw the line somewhere. Okay, okay. That's your boundary. My boundary is Keen Toe Shoes. I think that's the brand. The Toe Shoes, where I go, can't get on board. Can't do it. Can't do it. I can't look like... I can't... Where do you wear those? People are like, anywhere. To the store. I'd be like, I'd rather walk barefoot, frankly. I'd rather walk barefoot. Flip-flops I can't do, I think. Honestly, when you live in New York, like, (laughs) this is a false sense of security. If you look back to our last episode, this is my safety net. It's like a Birkenstock actually has a lip on the front and the sides of your foot and a little bit on the back, right? Where with a flip-flop, your whole surface area. And when you're in New York, you're like, I'm one step away from tetanus, right? It's like, I need a little pretend you take a to spill in those, too. Oh, you could fucking die. Not to mention, it's just lifestyle. They're like, dangerous. If you're going to wear a flip-flop, then your vehicle is also probably a golf cart. N- mm, oh my you're a God. golf cart driver if Hot. you're wearing a flip-flop. And oh, you're, you, you're, no, you, can kick, you get kicked out of a country club for wearing flip-flops. Oh, really? There are some dress codes. You could get kicked out. I wonder how they feel about divas. They'd get kicked out. Sandals, open-toed shoes. They don't like them on men. Maybe That's I should move thing. to it's a like, country I don't want to say it's a gendered thing, but let's be honest. What sandal on men are we pro? Mm, men's feet should be covered at all times, I feel. <laughs> That's what I feel. Unless you're getting... Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think they can wreck Burks. I like a man in a Burke. I don't mind that. Uh, I... As but you soon as you said that I saw a man bun and I wasn't sure. <laughs> flip flops are hard on men, you know, and they think it's what they have, so they do it, and you're like, "Yeah, Matt does a flip flop. Matt does a flip flop. I mean, what I choice does he have? Totally. You know what I mean? Really? He has. Well, you buy his shoes. Maybe he should get him some Tevas. That's not even funny. Here's the thing: this marriage I is do... not the nice as it is. <laughs> Two kids plus one Teva equals over. a divorce. <laughs> I'm a big fan of like, but yeah, no, I think the most important thing in New York is like shoe coverage. I've heard that apparently I saw somewhere someone said a funny thing about flip flops because this is a controversy. What we're doing is we're we're digging deep into the controversy of it all. This is and what you came here for, right? Apparently in the ER, there's a bunch of people who get into a- like accidents based on their flip flops. Like flip flops pay for like ER visits because like you'll like your flip flop will fly off and then you'll yeah. go back and get hit by a fucking car. Or There's like a your reason foot they gets call ripped. them flip flops and it's because they lead to flips and flops. Flop. Big flop. Big thumbs down. I don't have a pair of flip flops in my possession in my house in Brooklyn at this moment. Oh, I, I got a, a little pair of back door, go down the stairs to the yard flip flops. Sure. The sound of flip flops too. Pass. Right though? Like, it's like a... I'm just doing sex noise. <laughs> You're listening to Truly Darkly Creepy. I'm Quinlan Posner. And I'm Carrie Epperman. 
And we aren't wearing shoes. We're in the house. We're in the house. Matt has a very specific no Extremely shoe policy. Extremely strict shoe rule. And I think I've broken it and he hasn't said anything, but now I know. Mm. I got it. Doesn't sound like him. He would tell me. What's his vibe? Definitely tell you. What's the reason? Just Jeremy's from outside? Yeah. But the kids run barefoot outside. Uh, uh, ooh, okay. All right. Should we bring him in? (laughs) (laughs) He's like Jerry Springer. Uh, Jerry. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. You can't hear us. Matt. 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 Come here. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah? Can we come here a minute? Yeah. We have to ask you a question. We have to ask you an important question. Oh. Come on in. Okay, hang on. Let me check. You mean the babies? Hold on. Oh, okay. So far, so good. It's not that long a question. It's not that long a okay. question. You have a strict no-shoe policy in the house. Yeah, I guess it's pretty strict. Why is that? Um, why? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ask him your follow-up. My follow-up is, you let the kids run around barefoot. Yeah. Outside. Outside. Yeah. yeah. And they can come in. Well, we cleaned their feet. How soon after? ASAP, but it's not super strict. We're not going to let them run around. Here's the thing. But it's not super strict. Our That's the words I needed to hear. Our backyard filth. Right. Way different than city filth. Yes. Not going to, like, run around barefoot in the, the streets. Yeah. thousand percent. Exactly. <laughs> It's dirty, but it's our dirt. It's yeah, exactly. Your dirt. Yeah, different dirt. Thank different. You. Not a not a thorough thoroughfare back and forth. Totally. Okay. Yeah. You know the the shoe thing really kind of came in in Asia, really kicked in for me. Right. Everyone there did it like just without question. So I was like, this is kind of my mom is this, my mom was like when you go to someone's house you take your shoes off. That's how I was raised. Oh. Similarly, Midwest it wasn't thing. as a Midwest Asia thing. But the thing is, here's the non Midwest. <laughs> Here's the difference, though, is if someone comes in and doesn't take their shoes off, my mom won't say, can you please take your shoes off? She's like, uh, she, and she she's just like, judges. She doesn't, I guess, I don't want to say she, she judges. definitely judges. But there's a little bit like, why aren't you taking your shoes off? Oh. It's weird if everyone comes in and they take their shoes off That's and you're the only a... person that doesn't take their shoes off, right? Yeah, for sure. But that lifestyle. Who is the only person that doesn't take their shoes off? Exactly. Sometimes some people, like when you have Who sometimes a visitor over at your house, sometimes, I don't know, it's a random person. It's an imaginary yeah. person. Usually someone wearing boots. There's like too many laces. Too many laces. That, like, can't get there. Or it's a Carrie Bradshaw who likes to keep her heels on. Jared's 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 and die. Yeah, like I have die. to. If I'm not. Why do you have a computer set? You're supposed to. My story's have... on there. I'm going to read a story to carry off my computer. That's what we And I have, I'm reading my computer story first, but I have to keep my computer up so we can record it. Ah. Uh, it's hard work, Koa. It's hard work being a thank podcaster. Thank you for letting us ask you that question. Thanks Matt. for putting it in, guys. <laughs> You're um, so bug-eyed, though. Come on, kiddo, let's leave him to it. 
I'll see you later, Koa. Da, 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 da. You want to say bye, ladies and gentlemen? Bye, ladies and gentlemen. Or you want to say bye, bye dear, dear readers? Bye, dear readers. <laughs> Put that on loop. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> bye. Bye, readers. <laughs> That's good. Bye, Doritos. That's what it sounded like. And honestly, I'm getting drunk. his first Dorito. All right. Matt will kill me. <laughs> well, no one likes a Dorito. In this family. Sp- I thought I was a part of this family. <laughs> Based I, on you your love I, for Tevas and Doritos? You know who I no, bet loves Doritos? Outsider. You know who I bet loves Doritos? Hmm. Larry. Oh, interesting. I think Larry and I... Larry I don't think Gary. he's allowed to have them. Yeah. I, I, I want to get Larry, would I allow get Larry that trash Oreos, Doritos, and a Domino's pizza. All his dreams coming true. Larry, I got you. All right, dear readers, this is the last episode before Quinn leaves for five years, and we've recorded every episode that we needed to in the last five years. What you guys gotta know is that we would <laughs> never leave you without us. Never. Because we'd miss you too much in a hypothetical, otherworldly sort of way. Really, it is, is we miss each other. So, what we do I is. I just looked at the fake audience. Pre record. Is what the French call it. record And that means that we do a bunch of apps before we go on vacation so that every week you get to listen to Truly. I do a story. I do another. What's amazing to me, though, is like next week we're going to be like, you're going to hear us next week going, oh, my God, how was your trip? And we're going to have all these new things to talk about. And we're going to have um, not seen each other. We're going to have not months. seen each other for two months. Two months. Wild. It's epic. Truly. Darkly. Two Three months. Two months. <laughs> I was like, epic? I don't know. I'll do my story, though, OK? Please. Um, this is the story of Johnny Gosh. Okay. Gosh. Johnny, I got this oh my in- gosh. Oh my gosh. I got this information from Wikipedia, the Des Moines Register, CBS2 Iowa, Iowa Cold Cases, NBC News, AP News, Crime Museum. It is September 5th, 1982. Johnny Gosh is 12 years old. He's a paper bore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. Johnny Gosh is a paper boy. He's 12 years old. He's from the Burbs of West Des Moines, Iowa. You heard of it? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably one of the few places in Iowa people actually know is Des Moines. So he's a paper boy, which means you have to get up at the butt crack of dawn. He usually wakes up his dad and his dad like go with him on his route, which seems like really nice and generous. Seems really sweet as a parent. Really sweet. But this morning, Johnny was like, nah, dad, I got it. I'm 12. So he brought his little dog... Gretchen, who's a dachshund, and he goes to his paper route. And it's like, it's got to be like 4, 4.30 he wakes up. But he's wearing a sweatshirt with Kim's Academy on the back, um, warm-up pants, which I assume are sweatpants in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Like track pants? It, they're called warm-up pants is what they read. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Controversial. Flip-flops. Not great for a paper run, in my opinion, but go on. And he's carrying a yellow paper bag. So the other paper carriers in the neighborhood see him getting copies of the Des Moines Register. (laughs) So they see him there. As he's going through his paper route, a neighbor of theirs, this guy Mike, sees him talking to this, like, stocky guy in a blue car with Nebraska plates from his window. And as 
Johnny leaves that car, the guy sees another guy following Johnny, which seems a little weird, but nobody says anything. Another guy also sees Johnny speaking to someone in a blue car and thinks it's strange, but doesn't say anything at the time, right? Nobody's trusting their blink, really. I think it's so mm. early that you're like, am I, is this a, is my gut wrong or am I, is it just too early? Am I trusting my blink or did I just blink? Or did I, or did I wake up too early and I haven't had my coffee yet? Right. Or did I have my coffee too quick? You never know. You know what? Just the conversation's making me have to use the bathroom. Totally. Are you good? <laughs> Go. I'll last another whatever. Okay. I mean, please tell it very quickly. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> so some neighbors have noticed between like five and six in the morning that they haven't gotten their newspaper that they usually get. So they call the Gosh family directly. Whoa. They small call town them vibes. like. Very small town vibes. I think the town is like 22,000 people in it. It's tiny. <laughs> you were going to say 22 people. It's like, <laughs> this is insane. It's like three families. What is family. happening with this three family, family town? It's a three, barely. It's actually two families. They have 11 people. Um, he so, had one delivery to make and he didn't make it. Didn't, so they call and they're like, where's Johnny? Here's Johnny. No, it's dark because it's going to get dark in a minute. And we need to calm the fuck down. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm a little... So John and Noreen, John is the father, Noreen is the mom, and um, his parents, they get a phone call from their neighbors complaining. The article is like they were complaining about not getting their papers. So it sounds like it's a They sound like a real picnic. They really need their fucking Des Moines registrar. And John's like, you haven't gotten it? Weird. So he goes out um, and he rides and he searches for Johnny. Johnny's gone. They see his wagon with his papers, um, newspapers, two blocks from his house. What? He's just gone. gone. There's no crime scene. He just vanished. I mean, that sounds like the crime scene, I guess. The leaving the papers there. They immediately call the police. Mm-hmm. But at the time, the police had a policy that you could not consider a person missing until after 72 hours have passed. <gasps> That's absurd. Even a child? Even a fucking child. That's absurd. That's absurd. Wait till this information. It takes them 45 minutes to go and take their statements. 45 minutes. They won't consider him missing. In fact, they go, he's probably a runaway. They just wait. They don't fucking do anything. They finally change it to go, oh, you know, we think this is a kidnapping. But uh, we don't see any motive. Motive there's for no, kidnapping? His mother goes, his mother says, there's no crime scene. I have no son. What do you mean no crime scene? Yeah. They have little to no evidence. The evidence that they have are those two eyewitnesses with a blue car and a Nebraska license plate. In fact, the guy who saw him in the second, the second guy who saw him didn't remember the license plate number. And he like racks his brain. He's like, I just keep hoping I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll have the license plate number. Get hypnotized, man. He got hypnotized. He did? He did. And he found a couple of the numbers. Um, It's probably not helpful, right? Yeah, he had a couple of the numbers. And you're like, it's nothing. Like, that's not enough. Exactly right. A couple months later... There's a report of a boy that matched Johnny's description in Oklahoma, and he called to a woman for help, but he was dragged away by two men. That hasn't gone anywhere. The police have basically have no suspects, have not have no evidence, have no information mm. on where Johnny is. The family hires private investigators. They sell candy bars 
and garage sales to help pay for these private investigators because they're trying to just get anyone to come and help them because their police isn't. Johnny Gosh is the second kid to be on a milk carton nationally. Oh, wow. So he's in everyone's home. One of the PIs that was working for the family had said, I think another kidnapping is going to happen in August 1984 and probably a paperboy from South Des Moines. What? Yeah. Well, guess what? August 12th, 1984. In Des Moines. South Des Moines suburb. Whoa. Eugene Martin, 13-year-old. Looks similar. He's a 13-year-old boy. He's a newspaper boy. He was delivering newspapers on the south side of Des Moines. What? Completely disappears. Wow. Police cannot prove a connection between both cases. But I got to tell you, within two years, almost to the day, another kid goes missing in that area. March 29th, 1986, two years after that, Mark James Allen tells his mom he's going to his friend's house. He's going to walk to his friend's house down the street. The boy never arrives at that house and he never comes home. I feel really bad for Koa and Griff right now because... You know what their future holds, right? Yeah, they're getting a tracking device. Oh, 100%. No connection can be made to all three disappearances, but they're all from Des Moines. A 21-year-old guy named Paul Bonacci, he shows up. He tells his lawyer that he was abducted as a teen and that he was a part of a sex ring and that he was forced to participate in kidnapping Johnny. They get in contact with the Gosh family, and they tell him, they're like, he has a birthmark on his chest, there's a scar on his tongue, he's got a burn on his leg, and he stutters when he gets, you know, overwhelmed or something, and his mom's like, that's him, that's him. The birthmark was made public knowledge to everyone, but the scars were not. Mm -hmm. So she's like, this guy has to know who he is, we have to listen to him. The police and the FBI didn't find this guy credible, so they never interview him. Really? In fact, he accuses... They think he's making it up? Mm-hmm. Wow. In fact, he accuses this guy who's like a Republican activist um, and donor and stuff, Lawrence King Jr., who was the director of a credit union in Omaha, Nebraska. Remember the plates were from Nebraska? Of running an underage sex ring. Whoa. So in 1990... Aggressive. They bring it to a grand jury. They bring this <gasps> evidence to a grand jury. Uh-huh. The grand jury does not indict King. However, they do indict Paul Bonacci on perjury. Oh, so they way don't they believe They really them. think it's a hoax, this grand jury. So then it was taken to a federal grand jury. The federal, the federal grand jury doesn't charge anyone with child prostitution. It just sounds like there's no proof, there's no evidence except hearsay. Okay. And then they do incite Bonacci again for perjury, and they indict King for fraud related to the credit union he worked at. Turns out he was accused of stealing $40 million from the bank and was sentenced to 15 years. Um, he was released in 2001. Oh, interesting. So, so they were looking into him for this child sex ring. And meanwhile, they're like, probably not, but definitely you stole this money. Totally. So Paul then sues King, the activist. And because he never responded to the suit, the court awarded Paul a million dollar default judgment. So King has to pay Paul Bonacci a million dollars. It's a very backwards thing. I don't... That's interesting, but they were never able to prove any of this weird sex, sex ring, ring stuff. No. I want to read more about that. Totally. I'm curious um, why he would make that up. He says he was a part of it. He That's says what I'm he saying. was kidnapped and stuff. That's what I'm saying. I'm curious... I'm curious 
about Paul Bonacci. It feels like everyone shut it down and it makes me think they had reason to believe it was a lie, but I'm not um, convinced. You're also like skeptical. Well, it's also skeptical because it's like this big donor who probably is really well connected. He runs a credit union. He stole $40 million, which is to say he probably has donated to people's shit. Like he's this like affluent guy who's like getting off scot-free, it feels like. And Noreen... Johnny's mother is like, this kid knows things about my son that were not publicized. How the fuck yeah, would he know? Yeah, that's why I'm like... What's more information on this Paul Bonacci? I want to know. Maybe you do a teeny tiny creepily about it. Maybe you do a full episode about it. Let's dive deep. Let's dive deep. So, Paul is indicted on perjury, but he's never charged. The only person who really does suffer this kind of crazy sort of extemporaneous sort of situation that's related to Johnny Gosh is King, is the accused. However, it's not because of any child prostitution. What it's for, it's for bank fraud where he stole $40 million from the credit union that he was a director of. He gets 15 years. He's out in 2001. Noreen and John, Johnny's parents, they get divorced in 1993. That's not surprising. We see that pretty frequently. Because when a child dies or goes missing, it's like, I can't imagine. The family sometimes can't sustain that level of trauma in one piece. March 1997, 2.30 in the morning, Noreen gets a knock on her door. Uh She claims she opens the door and her son, Johnny, who is then 27 years old, is there. No. He opens his shirt. He shows the birthmark. Remember, this was publicized that this kid had a birthmark right. on his chest. Right. His hair is dyed black. It's shoulder length. He's with this guy, and he allows his mom to talk. To the, he's allowed to talk to his mother, but every time he answers a question, he has to look to the guy that he's with for like approval. He leaves. What the fuck was the conversation? About what happened to him. That he was involved in a child sex ring. He says he was. Pa- pedophilia. But we don't even know if this person was Johnny. We have no idea if this is Johnny. He Whoa. Leaves. Seems like a really big prank to play. If it's not Johnny. And I don't know why you That's would do it. That's what's it. Because people are fucking crazy. crazy. There's another. I mean, right. I hate to say it. Noreen, Noreen believes this is Johnny. Her father. His father is like, I'm fucking skeptical. Okay. However, after he leaves, she goes and she talks to the police. They make a sketch of who this guy is. And she never sees Johnny again. September 1st, 2006. Nine years later, after this visit from 27-year-old Johnny, someone leaves photos on her front step. One is a color photo of three boys tied up and gagged. And another is black and white. And it's one boy who is bound and gagged who's about 12. She believes that photo is Johnny. And there's a third photo of an old guy with something around his neck assumed dead in the photo. So she has these three photos, right? What? Someone just drops them off This is house. wild. She believes the second photo is Johnny, and the third is the man who was using her son. She claims that these photos were found on a child pornography site, which is why they were given to her anonymously, right? Because no one could have them in their possession. She calls the police. The police are like, we're going to look into it. They call some people and they find out that this photo of the three boys is from Tampa. These three kids were in an escape contest. And so they were tied up and gagged and they had to escape. And this is a picture of them. And it somehow found its way in a child pornography site. 
but that no However, harm actually was coming. No to these harm was coming onto these those kids. Okay. However, the second one with the boy by himself, who she believes is Johnny, and I saw a picture of the two of them side by side. I can't say with any certainty, but he's not my kid. I don't know. I did see their pictures. I don't know if it's this kid. Yeah. But she believes this is Johnny, and nobody's been able to identify that kid in that okay. photo. But what's crazy is she's like, can we please investigate it? And the police seem to be giving her the brush off in this case. Like, Which all of the information, like, um, all the information that I'm looking at in this case, the police are nowhere to be seen. Including from the beginning. vibes, right? Where you're like, does it go all the way to the top? Where right? people are like, somebody at the tippy top. It's like if it were a movie, the police chief also likes underage boys and goes to these sex ring parties and is like, it can't get busted. Drop it. Well, also it's one of those things where like the policy at the time of not investigating, not declaring someone a missing person unless they've been gone for 72 hours. What we know now is that kids are harmed or killed when they're kidnapped within three or four hours. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you have to fucking get on it for Mm -hmm. all missing persons. If Mm -hmm. you wait 72 hours, they're in another fucking country. Mm -hmm. They're in another fucking state. There's no way you're going to find that person. So like, like every parent who goes through horrific trauma, Noreen dedicates her life to spreading awareness mm-hmm. of pedophiles and and sex trafficking. And she does over a thousand events where she goes to schools and she talks about how these people are in the community, about how we need to keep our eyes peeled. She also lobbied for the Johnny Gosh Bill, where it made police respond immediately to missing children cases. It became law in 1984 and it was passed in many other states as well. Then in August of 1984, she speaks to the Senate in a hearing on organized crime um, and about organized pedophilia and their role in her son's disappearance. Now, keep in mind, she we have no proof that that's what happened, that that's what happened to him. However, she believes it, and who the fuck cares because I know it is affecting the world. So she's on a fucking tear and a mission to make sure this doesn't happen to many kids. After her appearance in front of the Senate, she gets death threats. She testifies. Who the fuck is against being against child sex rings? People who participate in child sex rings. Got it. She testifies before the U.S. Department of Justice, and because of her part, partly because of her testimony, they give ten million dollars to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Oh, great! She's invited by the White House by Ronald Reagan at the time for the dedication ceremony. When Johnny went missing, sixty-six percent of kids were returned. That's it. Now, in today, the number is 98 to 99% of kids are returned. Because we changed that fucking 72-hour bullshit Absolutely. Johnny is still missing. He's never been found. He's been gone for 39 years. The other two boys who went missing in Des Moines, Eugene Martin, he's still missing. It's been missing for 36 years. Mark James Allen... He's also missing. He's been missing 25 years. None of them have been found. No evidence. No crime scene. Nothing. That's the story of Johnny Gosh. It's dark. It's real dark. It makes you fear for your children. It makes you fear for your kids. It makes you fear for everyone. It makes me want to detective that a little bit. Totally. I want to... Paul Bonacci I want to hear about. 
Paul Bonacci. You got me curious. Let I'm me gonna see. see if Let me just any... give a look up. Let me I'd look like up to see Paul if there's Bonacci. Any books on the subject. And there is, but it's are. written by it's written by Noreen. Here's the thing. Ooh, tricky. It's tricky, right? But she's yeah, there's like also a third a, party, right? There's also a movie mm-hmm. who took Johnny. Who took Johnny? I'll watch that. Um, let's shift gears. Gear shift. Gear shift. Drum. Okay. I am going to tell you the story of Redouane Faid. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the story of Redouane Faid. <laughs> I almost did a spit take. I just (laughs) drank water when you said that. That was so cruel. (laughs) Redwan Faid. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, Redwan Faid is uh, hard to say. So um, (laughs) that's why uh, the pronunciation will be brought to you by (laughs) Forvo.com. The pronunciation is by a woman in France named Vivienne. And again, (laughs) Redouane Faïd is the story. <laughs> I really like that. That's a good take, Quinn. Look, it's really hard to find information on this case, but but I found Prove one. It. Prove it. I googled my balls off, <laughs> and pretty much all I could find was this one great GQ article. You know what? Say what you want about GQ, Van. They're fucking true crime, New Yorker. I mean, their true crime content is is five stars, five out of five, folks. Adam Leith Golner wrote this totally awesome article. Thank you, Adam, for doing all of my homework. (laughs) Redouan Faid was born in 1972 to Algerian immigrants, and he grew up in the housing projects in Creole. He's pretty poor. He loves watching American movies. Super into heist movies, action movies. Hell yeah. Um, loves bad guys in the films. And so that's who he's idolizing. So right away he's like, I'm going to commit a crime. And the first thing he does is he steals candy. He what, starts to what was the time? Have you? What did you steal growing up? I think I've told you this. But you did. when I was like eighth grade, something like middle school... I did steal um, eyeliner and nail polish from a grocery store, and I was with my mom, and I got caught, and I cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and thought nothing in my life (laughs) would be as bad as this. Yeah, and I was also like, I can't believe I'll ever get over this. Like, Mm -hmm. the, the truest... The truest amount of despair I ever felt. Everyone, I was trying to tell everyone she's not a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> tell me you're not a sociopath without telling me you're not a sociopath. <laughs> okay, sorry, continue. Mine was bubblegum, also candy. So I have a kindred spirit, and I don't think I should be a kindred spirit. Redouane Fayid. Fayid. Mm-hmm. Um, so he starts stealing bigger stuff from the mall, like comic books, and then he when he becomes a teenager, he kind of creates his own, like, teenage gang. Mm-hmm. And they do little robberies together. And they, like, burglarize people's homes. It's so, so cute. cute. Honestly, uh, boys will be boys. Uh. And he said he had a mantra at that time. Oh, Which was, bless. what you can't get legally, you've got to take. <laughs> hmm. hmm. As you can Questionable. imagine, Questionable. he's arrested 
real quick on that. But he gets out, and then things are going to get more intense because he's going to get a gun. Oh, maybe when we should When he pulls the gun on people, he will say lines from movies that he's seen. Oh, okay. So there's a element of, like, yeah, totally. (laughs) There's totally this element of, like, he's acting out a bad guy. I mean, there's a real danger factor because he does have a gun. He has a gun. But Mm -hmm. he, he wants to be these things he's seeing on TV. He, even, like, the money he's getting from these robberies. Are Monopoly money. (laughs) No. But he's using it to essentially, like, buy wardrobe, you know? He's investing in the production. In the production that he's, yes, that he's creating. This reminds me of the case you did with the, um, in Vancouver, the guy who was a murderer who was making a slasher film that's based on it. Oh, the Dexter Killer. Right. The Dexter Killer. Totally. This is what that reminds me um, of so far. I think you're going to like Redwan Fayed way more than okay. that other thing. Monster. Mm-hmm. 1995, Redwan Fayed and some of his friends are like, let's rob a jewelry store and let's do it exactly like the movie Reservoir Dogs in a way where they're like, let's go buy these cool suits and end up all dead. Let's use code <laughs> names just like they do in the film and be like Mr. Pink, Mr. White. Let's be like the different colors. God, it shouldn't be fun to do illegal shit like this. They decide to do a robbery based on the movie Point Break. Keanu. And they're like, was it Keanu? I think it's, isn't it Swayze? I think it's Point Break. Let me look. Point Break. Maybe it's both. Point Break. IMDb. Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. <gasps> I you know, know something. When we're both right, it feels good. It feels great. It feels right. It that feels we would so both good. Be right. I forgive you for the tabas. I can't forgive you, but I think you know that. <laughs> when they rob the bank as... Point break. Point break. They even say the same line as the movie. He says, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, and please don't forget to vote, which they say in the movie. So he's, when I say he's like basing this off movies, really, this guy just wants to be in a movie. The next tribute he will pay is to Michael Mann's 1995 movie, Heat. Okay? They released that movie, and two years later, Faid and his pals put on hockey masks. They attack an armored truck, which is what Robert De Niro does in the movie. And by the way, Redwan Fade writes the director, Michael Mann, <gasps> fan mail. And he's like, you were the inspiration for my career, which is a very weird letter to receive, <laughs> I imagine. He's like, are you a director? No, Robert. He shows up at a Q&A for the movie that <gasps> Michael Mann is at. And... He says the same thing in person. Like, he's like, you are like what I base my robberies on. You're amazing. He said that in real life? In real life. So they see him saying that out of his mouth and everybody's like, let him go. Everyone's like, what? He is so, um, like, he's the director of the gang when they do these crimes. He's the guy calling all the shots. And there's something about it where you feel like... There's like a parallel universe where he would have just been a movie director. That's what he really wants in some ways. Where he's directing everybody and he's like, you're going to do this. I'm going to do this. And it's going to look like this. And he gets like this high off of being like, I am this movie. And you're like, somebody just needed to sign this kid up for acting classes. And we could have avoided a lot of mess. 
Poor thing. Um, he's not into violence. Like, I want to be clear about that. He right. really tries to never do anything violent in all these heists he's pulling and right. robberies he's pulling. He even says that he thinks it's cooler to do it without hurting anybody. Like, in a lot of those movies right. were that way, too. Yeah. Um, I think we agree with you, I, Red Juan. I, I support the not hurting people. Yeah. In 97, the police are like, we know you did this armored truck robbery. And so he runs from them. And they have to track him down. And they get him. And they sentence him to 19 years. And he goes to jail for 10 years of that. Okay. Okay? He says that while he's in prison, he's like, oh, this reformed me. He starts to write about all his past crimes that he committed. And he starts to get some notoriety for that. So, but when people are interviewing about, oh, these exploits you committed, he's always like, yes, yes, yes. But then I went to jail and I totally saw the light and I'm not a criminal anymore, actually. In May of 2010, these cops are at a red light and they notice a white van. And first of all, obviously, everyone knows white vans are trouble. Get out of there. White vans are always trouble. Get out of there. This one has bullet holes in it. So they're like, so they run the plates and they approach the van and they're like, hey, it's us, the police. Hey, it's us from before, (laughs) the police. (laughs) (laughs) And there's no response. So they knock on the window and the van's like, and like (gasps) peels out. And there's a crazy, they jump back in the car. There's a totally crazy chase scene. Someone opens the back of the van while they're chasing it. And, pops and throws marbles. a canister of gas <laughs> oh and fire extinguishers out the back at the car. So then one of the passengers in the van fires into the air, warning gunshots from a rifle, and then aims at no. the police. No, 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 no. The officers fire back. No. The van fires. No. With an AK-47. <gasps> no. This, no. So the cops are like, this has gotten completely out of hand. Like, it escalates so quickly. Oh, Jesus. <sighs> Does anyone die? So the cops jump out of their car to take cover. The van shoots out the cop tires, the <gasps> cop car tires, <gasps> and they get away. Then the crew of people that were in that van ditch it and steal another car. But while they're making that switch, another set of cops that have been called find them and give chase. Go after them, and the van guys kill one of those cops before escaping again. The cop that they kill is named Aurelie Fouquet. She was 26, and she had a new baby. No. No. The van that we were talking about had been on a mission to take down two armored trucks that had $16 million in cash. It was a big heist situation. Fayid, you'll remember this is after he's been to he's prison. He's been cured. He's like, I didn't have anything, anything to do with it. Here's my alibi. What they do find on him is they find some surveillance footage of him driving a car the day before all this went down 
and matches he's, the second car. He's driving a car with a group of other cars, like caravan style, and one of the cars in the caravan is that van. So it's like you were driving with someone that that's pretty heavy coincidence. No. You knew that ain't gonna you fly. were a part of this somehow. Knowing him, I can't imagine him killing anyone. He was the one that pulled the trigger. I can't imagine he wanted it to go down that way, but it does go to show you you can't control these kinds of things that way. It just goes to show you that in a robbery, in an armed heist situation, <laughs> things just might things get out might of, not go how you want them to things go. Things might get how do you a little out of hand. Yeah. No shit, Sherlock. And it's real consequences. This woman died and she was a mother. It's I mean it's beyond tragic <sighs> so they get a bunch of evidence on him because they're like we got to get this guy put away but he goes into hiding in the meantime because he's like they're gonna try to get me. This on me right Faid is like i know that they're watching me and he basically takes a guess as to what the police will do he's like i think that they'll come into my house at some point in the morning before I usually go to work to get me. And they'll use the stairs in my building, not the elevator. So what I'm going to start doing every single day is I'm going to start waking up crazy early and I'm going to leave my house and I'm going to hide in the stairwell so that if they start running up the stairs above my head, I know they're running up to get me and I can beat it. And I'm going to do that every day. Holy shit. And it works. Wait a minute. So he hides in the stairwell. They're of his own, like, building that he's in. He's like, they're going to find me. And when they do, this is what they're going to so do. So he, like, went to the basement and saw them coming in. So he, like, hides under the stairs. And the day that they come to get him, it's like, they run up the stairs to nab him. And he's like, there they go. Out the door I go. Right So on. he okay. goes through. He opens the skylight of the building he's in when he hears them goes onto the roof, goes to the roof of the next building. He can hear them even, like banging on his door. He goes through another skylight into the next building, goes into a storage space in that building where there's like storage shit, bikes, whatever. And he hangs out there for like six hours hiding with a gun. Oh, Jesus. And then he gets in touch with one of his gang member guys and they're like, hello, it's Mr. Pink or whatever on a walkie talkie. And he's like, they got me. Okay. They come, come bring the getaway car. And he gets in a getaway car and beats it. He's on the lam for six months. And during that time, another armored vehicle is robbed in this city in Northern France, Aris. And Faid gets caught with a few other people in a sting operation. In his pocket, they find 2,000 euros, and the euro numbers, the serial numbers, match the money that was just taken in Aris. So they're like, bang, got you. He's sentenced to 53 years for organizing the events that caused that young woman's death. Mm -hmm. And the second And for the Aris robbery, yeah. Because they can pretty much tie him to both of those. So, he goes to the Sequidin prison in November 
of 2012. Let's flash forward to the following April. He's now been in this prison for like six months, okay? Right. It's visitation hour, and the guards are taking him to go see his brother. And he has a laundry bag with him, but in the bag, he does not have laundry. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. No undies. No undies. In the bag. No me undies. We're not sponsored. Keep no me undies. No bombas. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, he has a loaded gun, lighters, and explosives in the bag. No. Yes. And when he gets to the visitation area, he starts to go into the bag, and then he pulls out a gun and shoots at the ceiling, takes the guards hostage, and he says to the guards, I am the captain now. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Look at me. I am the captain it. now. I'm he sorry. Seen it yet. He's, he said, don't be a cowboy for 1,300 or 1,400 euros. It's not worth it. Think of your families. And he starts to take out the explosives and he blows up a series of five armored doors. Like he's just like, blow up a door, go through it, blow up a door. So he's getting out of this prison gets outside, uses the guards that he's holding hostage as human shields to go through, like, the yard because there's snipers and, like, watchtowers all around them. And so he's, like, has the guards kind of surround (gasps) him so that he can't get shot. He gets to the escape vehicle that he's somehow arranged. He lets most of the guards go but keeps one of them until it's clear that they're not being followed in that escape vehicle. And then he lets the guard out. That's so scary for those guards. Totally. They're all fine, by the way. Okay, good. The next six weeks, he's on the run. On the lamb, I think we just learned. On the lamb. On top of a lamb. He doesn't get... Uggs. Like, super far from the prison. He just keeps checking into hotels, different names, different wigs, whatever. Right? Love a wig. I love, love a wig. Love a wig moment. I really do. Finally, he gets caught in one of the hotels. And Was they're it like, worth it? They're like, y- you weirdo, here's 10 more years. You know? <sighs> yeah. And they send him to Rau, which is like a super tough prison. You know, it's like a, they're yeah, like, like, all right, we, maximum security. We didn't think of you as like a real dangerous guy, but now we do need to send you to this maximum security prison, basically. So now he's 49. He's in Rau, which is 25 miles up. Uh, Southeast of Paris. Okay. It's pretty close, actually. Yeah. Well, anyway, he's in Rowe, Um And... <laughs> in where? Rowe. Rowe. <laughs> I think if I say every vowel sound I can think of as quickly as possible, I yeah, might come close. I'm sure Eris is totally right. Yeah. Friend. I'm sure it's Eris. <laughs> <laughs> so this dude, now he, he is one of the highest risk inmates. <gasps> See, because these are chump change. Come for, on. Well, for that escape, because so they watch him closely is all I'm trying to say to you. Like one of the guards was saying when he goes to use the telephone, the whole ward gets blocked off. They're like, this guy's going to use the phone. It's a big deal. You know, <laughs> um, one one of the guys said he's the only detainee in France I've seen for whom even the staff get blocked off. He passes by with two supervisors and a guard from the solitary confinement wing, like a star. He's made into a star. Everybody watches him. Oh, but he's only in solitary confinement? Rough, right? Oh, that's not But they're watching him a lot, and so they can tell that he's watching them in this way where they're like, 
this guy's casing us out constantly for weaknesses. You know? Oh, incredible. Can you imagine that Incredible. Vibe? It's so scary. It's and like he, Hannibal Lecter, but like not as yeah. scary vibes. And he's friendly. And so he's talking always to the guards and, and being like real What movie do you friendly. like? Let's talk film. Yeah, he's being friendly with them. And he's like just trying to shoot the shit. But then you're like, wait, did I just give him any kind of information? You know? Like it's that yeah. vibe. The inmates there call him El Mago, which means the magician. <laughs> In 2018... The people at the prison notice something weird. They're like, wait a minute. There's been drones flying. What? Above the prison sometimes. And they're just, they know it's him. You know what I mean? They're just like. Who else is it going to be? They're like, fucking fight. We don't know what you're doing, but we fucking know it's got to do with you. So obviously they get super paranoid, but they can't like punish him because they can't prove anything. But what they decide they want to do is transfer him to another prison because they're like. He has too much power here. Yeah, already. Like, he hasn't had time to learn the ins and outs of another place. Let's just fucking transfer him. They propose a move. You know, it's bureaucracy. It gets approved. But they're like, okay, it's going to happen in a month. Oh, no. July 1st. Oh, no. Stefan Bai is hired to give a touristy helicopter ride through the Paris countryside. okay? Okay. So the tourists get in. They're not He's tourists. about to take off. They're totally not tourists. And then they put on ski masks and they put a gun to his head while they're in the air and they're like, your family is in danger. This is your home address. We know where you live. We have a man there right now. You better do what we tell you to do. And he's like, okay. Sure. Sold. Sold. No problem. So they're like, go land in this field. And he lands in a field and they're like, we're picking up a friend here. Their friend shows up it's with more weapons and... Then he can't make, Stefan cannot make the plane take off, the ignition jams. <gasps> but like the men don't believe him. Like, because imagine he's like, I can't take off. And they're like, no, you fucking better take off. And he's like, no, I'm serious. Like, it's not working. And they're like, don't try to pull a fast one on us. So they start yelling at him and they fucking hit him with the gun. That's going to help your case. Um, Idiots. He does some piloty stuff and gets it running. Somehow. But, like, it's a very scary moment where he can't get the fucking helicopter on and they don't believe him. Luckily, he gets it back up in the air. Um, And they had to, of course, rose. Rose. Roll. Um, (laughs) So, prison airspace above the prison has, like, cables running through it to prevent this exact scenario. Yeah. Do you understand? Um, like a booby trap where yeah. there's just like thin cables everywhere. There's one courtyard where they're not, and that's where they land the helicopter, but they don't really land it to be clear. What they do is they sink so it, it like down close hovers. to the ground and they hover just above the ground. There are a couple guys that are prisoners and they're in the yard next to that courtyard and they see the helicopter and they're like what in the actual fuck is going on they see these men jump out of the helicopter and there's guards in watchtowers of course and they're like so surprised like so confused like what on earth but i think you're having a minute where you're like is this sanctioned is this us or is this them we don't know so confused so they kind of capitalize on that time and before these men can process what's happening the men that jumped out of the copter 
throw smoke bombs and tear gas and they run and they're wearing neon police bands as like a costume to confuse the guards like they look like them right so it's got that feeling too of like is this that's my outfit i'm not shooting at (laughs) that who wore it best you were (laughs) who wore it best (laughs) (laughs) they take out a power saw and they cut the lock on the prison building and they're in they cut more doors down with this crazy saw the other guards have a rifle at this time, just let Renoir go. Like, truly, just let him go. He Fayed is, is in a visitation again with his brother. And he's like, to his brother, he's like, listen, my ride's here. I have to go. <gasps> and he walks out with the men. And he his says... His brother's like, every time, I just wanted to like, connect just about trying mom to visit. and dad. It's really hard to visit you because every time I do... You try to escape. You try to escape. Is it me? <laughs> you don't want to see me that bad. It's like you're in prison. I thought that'd be far enough away. <laughs> he says... Fayed says that um, it felt like what they achieved was time standing still. And he said that's what the magic is. You make time stand still... Because you have the element of surprise on your side. And it makes everything freeze for a minute. It really does. Everyone needs that moment to process what actually is happening to take an action. And the crazier my plan is... The more time they have. The more time I buy myself with you, your head just is spinning in that moment. Because you cannot understand what's going on. Incredible. So a guard calls for backup. The other guards think it's a prank because it sounds so cuckoo what the guard's saying. That they are like, what? And they try to get verification of who the guard calling them for help is. So they don't jump on it. They don't send reinforcements like lightning. And so Faid, I'm not kidding, does not run but walks oh to God. the helicopter like oh a fucking X-Man style. Made? Like he's just like, sl- picture the slow-mo like stroll totally. to the helicopter. And he notices some guards just watching him essentially jaw dropped during it and he just looks at them and gives them a salute and gets on the helicopter they're off oh my god they land in a field by the airport they let Stefan go they set the helicopter on fire what a car breaks through a barrier like a movie picture this and it's like, they get in and leave. They go to a mall parking lot, fucking set that car on fire. I mean, this is very This is a very cool. detailed plan. And they were listening to everything. How the hell is he planning this? And somebody better be filming it. This is crazy. They go into an unmarked van and they're off. 3,000 police officers are on the manhunt. Oh, my God. Several weeks after the escape, there's a Renault Laguna pulled over on the side of an express road. The cops stop to check it out. But as soon as they stop, the Laguna speeds off. So they're like, whoa. All right, this feels like you just told us you're a criminal. So they're like, let's go. They chase it. The Laguna ends up again in a mall parking lot. And they're... Just fun fact, 20 miles from where Faid grew up in Creel. There's security footage that shows Faid and his brother 
fleeing the scene. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. dang. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if his brother's visiting him every time these are happening, he's not, like, surprised. Like, it's all going according to plan. His, also, like, who's on the outside that totally. wants him out badly enough his brother. to help on this level? It's got to be family, right? Anyway. Wow. They get away, so police are like, we know this guy grew up close to here. We're going to set up some spies in his hometown. And someone reports to them and says they saw a strange person wearing a burqa who gave the impression they might be a man wearing a burqa. So they were like, is he in disguise, basically? Totally. It was fight. So on (laughs) October 3rd, 2018, he gets caught. Okay. They figure out it was obviously his relatives on the outside helping him escape. They also think that there was someone higher up in this Corsican Seabreeze gang, which, by the way, I'm obsessed with that gang because to have your gang named after a delicious, a very drink. feminine pink cocktail is <laughs> so funny to me. Like, it's, a, it's like... Our gang is named after a wine cooler. Like Hi, it's bad. I'm, we're the White Claws. <laughs> <laughs> so now Fayed is being held in solitary confinement Ooh. in Vinden La Ville. It's a maximum I think security. It's Viva La Vida, Loca. Viva La Vida. It's a max security prison yeah, near the Belgian border. That guy's not getting out at all. He has to get strip searched all the time. He has to wear cuffs at all times. And he hasn't touched another human being in years. It's like very Hannibal Lecter vibes to me, but like nice, not a cannibal, just like a, a criminal. It oh, seems wow. inhumane, honestly. That but it level feels of like treatment. he's really manipulative. Like, I but get like, that he's like a manipulative guy who can get people to talk because he's really nice and friendly. And they're like, we can't risk it. The amount of money that this guy's like manipulation has cost us. Like, yeah. If he tries to escape again, could you imagine? And he gets caught every time. He says he feels like he's being mummified. Oh. Isn't that sad? That is sad. Well, that's the story. That's an incredible story. Um, yeah. That guy rules? Yeah. Do we say Here's the problem. We can't because of her death. Because of the woman. I I like to think that that was a rogue associate of his. I like to think it too, but here's the whole thing, though. he still was in charge. He was in charge, and under his watch, someone got killed, and And you can't fuck with that kind of stuff. The threatening of people like Stephen, the helicopter pilot, hitting him in the head, like, that's... No, I'm sure a lot of these people walk away with some PTSD from being very afraid for their lives. So, it's not like here's the thing it's not he's not a good guy but a fun story it's a fun story it's a fun story if it weren't for the death the death the death really does put a damper on things it does um i have notes <laughs> but i here's the thing like again i'll say it again send your kid you to said acting it once school. you said it before send your kid to acting school let them be an actor just what does it hurt you just let them be Unless you want them to perpetrate heists, you must. Because Let be an actor. people that love drama, they're going to do one or another. Exactly. For us, thank God we found acting and podcasting. Otherwise, we'd be low-level criminals. It's You'd obvious. be great. I'd be caught immediately. I couldn't lie. I know. You'd be really bad at it. I think thank I'd you. be pretty good. <laughs> thank you. I think you'd be really good. I can't lie. I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. I, I would admit, I'd be like, I'm so sorry. I, I can't. Yeah. But, I did you know, it. maybe there's a place for you on the Seabreeze gang. You know what? I like to think of, like, me... You could be, this like, the secretary or something. Thank you for giving me a pretty sexist job position, frankly. 
was just like, <laughs> could, be the could hot you wear secretary. like, could you like be a hot secretary? Can you wear like, a, you're wearing a French twist and glasses and then one day you take them off and you're attractive. Could you also just take <laughs> notes for the men and also get paid 70% on the you Yeah. Do you mind? I'm Julia Roberts in Ocean. That's me, actually. I am Julia Roberts in Ocean Eleven. I always say that about you. Thank you. I'm George Clooney. <laughs> thousand percent does he make you laugh he doesn't make me cry (laughs) but you make me do both (laughs) no i'd like to be like a niche the problem is i don't have a niche right like i I don't have like there's not like nobody like carrie do tech i'd be like there's someone way better than tech carrie do surveillance there's someone way better i think i could do like recon recon you know what I would do? I'd be like everyone's cheerleader. I'd be like, I'd do the pep talk. I'd feel good about that. I want to do some of the stunt work. I want to be w- there when it goes down. I want to maybe be the guy that sets the fires or the guy that gets lowered with a wire. <gasps> I'd be good at that, I think. I'd like to be the person that's in the... I have to um... lose a little bit of weight. Otherwise, there's... <laughs> those lights are going to pick me up. <laughs> I want to be the person that sits in a camera that's like stationed for an alibi the whole time. Mm. Like I want to be someone's alibi. That's a lie that I couldn't. I, couldn't. I was just going to say. And I couldn't do that. I just want to be somewhere physically that they're like, is she a part of? No, she's been there the whole time. Totally. What could we do with you? But I could do like an accent. I could do accent work. We need that on the Seabreeze gang. We do. <laughs> we, we need do that. I think look ours, is, ours is the Mojito gang. Is it the Mojito? No, it's the Dirty Martini. Is it the Martini gang? Is it the Tequila Sunrise? It's the Smirnoff Ice gang. Smirnoff Ice gang. Smirnoff and that ice. is full circle, baby. And that's we would a be lid. the Smirnoff Ice gang. And when we perpetrate we ice, we would, ice queens. We would ice them. We would ice the cops <gasps> so that that would be our defense that they'd like, go be... to arrest us, and we'd be like, "You just you got, got iced," and then and they'd, they'd have, have to kneel, kneel and drink chug, it, and that's and then when we get run away. <gasps> we have a whole thing. Hey, dear cops, this Look out conjecture, and it's not can be used in the court of law. We don't consent. That's our work. But get right? ready because it's but about, ready, to, happen it's about to, you. to fucking go down. You're about to get iced. You're about to get so iced. Can I tell you my ice story that I think I told you in this podcast before? But I don't care. I. In college, we had this thing called Breakfast Club, where it was in the morning of games, of football games, and they had pitchers of mimosas that we would get, and we would down, and they had a breakfast platter. It was incredible, and you'd get in there for, like, five bucks. You'd unlimited breakfast platter. $3 mimosas with the shittiest champagne delish. Anyway, we were really into icing at that time, so I had a photographer take a picture of me, and in it, I iced the photographer through the lens in the picture, and then I made that picture my cover photo so everyone who went to my profile got iced. <gasps> Nailed it. Fun, right? Really good. Really good. You had to, like, know the joke, but I found it funny. I find it very funny. Thank you. Hey, dear readers, we love you. We miss you. Join Patreon. See you in two months. In the meantime. Or next week. <laughs> uh, I'll see, see you- Quinn. I'll see you in two months, dear readers. See you next, see next week. week. P.S. Mm-hmm. Definitely join Patreon if you haven't already because... That's how Quinn and I filling up. They're filling up, and that's there's how Quinn and I keep in touch. There's only spots left. Yes, there's only want... a few more VIP seats available. Yeah, honestly, join now. Or forever hold your peace. Amen. Blessed be. <laughs> Blessed be the fruit. <laughs> May the Lord open. <laughs> May the Lord open your wallet. May the Lord open your wallet and under His Patreon. <laughs> What? We gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go. Bye. Join Patreon.